Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation or in circumstances where the events go into a direction that is not the one that we prefer them to take. We might live in various situations where that manifests. All over the world, we find people who are economically challenged. We find still people who starve, not just all over the world, but also hungry people here in the United States of America. There is suffering all around. And for us, as practitioners of the way, the practice of the Buddha, we have to look at that suffering and we have to learn how to authentically address it from a point of our own experience and, of course, from the point of our own doing and engaging in a practice like this. So what shall we do when things don't go the way we expect them to go or we would like them to go? Our preferred political candidate does not make it. That what we call the opposition behaves in ways that is unheard of ever before. Norms are broken. Traditions that have been almost sacrosanct for many, many decades and even centuries fall by the wayside. So what are we doing in a place like that? Anger is certainly one of the feelings that might come up when we see that the universe is not fair. And of course, Tathagata Zen teaches us that the universe works without will and desire. So fairness is not built into anything that works without will and desire. Will and desire calls fairness something that works according to that will or that desire and fulfills it. So there's a challenge in that already. And from the human point of view, then if that willless universe does not give us what we want, we might become angry. Or we might come depressed and we might say, oh, there's nothing I can do. The universe is against me or is against what I believe in. And of course, from the point of view of a practitioner, we have to see through that and take the personal element out of it. This is a very interesting topic to reflect upon, so I encourage everybody to not just listen to the words, but to ask themselves these questions. And one of the questions that I would like to bring up here is how are we dealing with our indifference? There are things that we as a person are indifferent about, where we choose not to have a relationship or even choose to actively look away and make ourselves believe that we are indifferent. That passive or active passive approach of not caring is something to be clearly explored and it needs to be addressed in the way how we live. 
I find it very interesting to see in modern Western Buddhism all kinds of specific traditions emerge. Some Buddhist traditions that came here merged with some Western ideas, and that's, of course, to be expected. There is the peace movement. And we find, of course, Thich Nhat Hanh speaking about peace and about everything that surrounds what true peace means. Then we find in the latest generations, our young practitioners, a tremendous amount of energy focused onto the environment, planet Earth, how we as a society and as human beings treat or mistreat this planet. That what we call the surroundings. And there is eco-dharma. And of course, all of that is important to emerge. And I would encourage everybody to see these interests of individuals to come and take up a practice like Zen or like any other uh, authentic Buddhist practice through one of those gates is really welcome. But we have to also say that over time, the gate itself is just the entrance. The famous phrase that was spoken between the two monks, Ganto Zenkatsu and Seppo Gison, that were on pilgrimage while they were trapped in a snowstorm in a shelter. And Ganto was sleeping, just lying around during the snowstorm. And the other one was doing Zazen really, really seriously, not having yet woken up to this reality and getting angry about his brother monk sleeping. Why aren't you doing Zazen? And so this famous dialogue started where they started to discuss. And finally, the non-awakened monk said, yes, you know, I listen to so many, many teachers, but I still feel that I have not gotten that what I was supposed to get from all of these presentations. And his brother monk said, haven't you heard that the family treasure doesn't enter through the front gate? <sighs> Seppo awoke at that moment even though we might enter into this practice through our affinity to one of those doors, may it be peace, may it be justice, may it be the care for the planet. We have to keep in mind that the family treasure doesn't enter through the front gate. So we have to go deeper and deeper and the deeper we go, the more we find out that how we entered was just one of the many fortunate ways to be able to encounter this practice. And as we descend into the depth of the non-personal, 
of seeing, hearing, tasting, feeling, smelling, all of that without the taint of will and desire of an I am personality that prefers this, that rejects that, and that is indifferent to all of what remains. Once we get to that, we also learn to understand that whatever it is, we are responsible. We are responsible to act from the point of the knowing of the heart of a bodhisattva. There is nothing we can turn our back to and say, no, no, not me. We have to learn to turn around and open up, no matter how painful that may be, and step up to our responsibility. And now we have to also deeply reflect upon what responsibility means. It's not the responsibility that we speak about in the context of whose fault it was. It's not responsibility in terms of being guilty. It is much more. This responsibility that I am talking about right now is a responsibility that is not looking just into the past. It is a responsibility that brings past, present, and future together and is the responsibility of being authentically present and of coming to the deep understanding that we are responsible for all of this in Indra's net, in this interbeing, as it is called at times, in this network of conditions the responsibility to be there 100%, to know and understand that every action, every non-action that we as an individual, as an existing sentient being set, we hold the responsibility to do that fully and informed by our deep knowledge our deep not knowing, our deep connectedness and the being one with this web of existence. Now, that sounds like a very long sentence, I know, but that is the responsibility. Whatever it is, whatever goes wrong in this world, yes, we are responsible. And we have to step up to the responsibility. We have to be that responsibility. It is not binary. It is not success and failure. All too often, as we know, since our minds are conditioned by an approach to the world that is two-dimensional, we think about failure and success. We think about preference, yes to this and no to that. And that is because our mind that is geared or can only work in that two-dimensional place is what we give a lot of emphasis to when we live in society. We have to examine what it means to live in society and to 
not also be just enslaved to the two-dimensional thinking. There is so much quantitative evaluation going on. Growth, for example, becoming more, earning more, being more important, growing the GDP of the nation, and growth and growth and growth is one of those directions that is just blindly followed. But we have to always ask a question, what is the price that we pay for that growth? We have to be clear that not this or not that, if we become one-sided, and if that one-sidedness is actually used to make us believe or make us follow a specific conviction, that it is limited, unfair even, and not suitable to even remotely touch what reality is. Zen practice is a practice that allows us to step back from that quantitative measuring approach and through becoming more and more intimately familiar with quality of being we learn where quantitative measuring has its place and what the qualitative, the experiential and the being itself truly are. So this might be a different way of reflecting upon responsibility, a different way thinking about the entrance into this kind of practice the gates and how they themselves are relative, but can lead us to that what is neither absolute nor relative. And finally, to not just without questioning, accept economical, cultural, political, philosophical ideas that are prevalent in the place we were born, that we were taught Take it as an invitation to question, not to measure, but to question and to go deeper and deeper and to use that question as a launching point of a dissolution of categories, of identities and of quantification.